Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth, and justice, believers in peace, freedom, and the American way. Tom Hartman here with you. It is uh, our official Anything Goes Day. If there's uh, something that you've been wanting to talk about that I've been saying, well, you know, we got this topic and that topic, and, you know, we'll... We'll discuss whether or not pigeons are actually robotic spies from the planet Xenu on some other day. Well, this is the day, uh, among other things. The, the Republican Party is in full, full get-it-done mode on behalf of their billionaire owners. And it's really interesting to watch this. 20 Republicans, uh, night before last, when the House voted, the House of Representatives, the Republicans in the House of Representatives, voted to cut a trillion dollars out of Medicaid, a half trillion dollars, $500 billion out of Medicare, and to take that $1.5 trillion and give it as tax breaks about 80% of it to the top, top 1% or 2% of Americans. And this is, this is actually, it's not just a statement of, you know, who owns them or, you know, where their loyalties lie or what they're all about. Uh, or, and, and it's not even really a statement about politics because there is really no political argument for this. The, the argument that's being made for these giant tax cuts for billionaires is that somehow it's going to stimulate the economy and, and therefore increase the paychecks of average working Americans. Well, we know that that's a lie. You know, when George W. Bush cut taxes on the wealthiest among us, what did it do? It reduced wages. In fact, it led to a great crash. When Ronald Reagan cut taxes on the most, most wealthy among us, what did it do? It led to consolidation. It led to, well, it led to the largest crash uh, 19, the Black Monday, 1987, October 1987, uh, as, what was it, October or July, whatever it was, um, the, uh, you know, the biggest crash since, since the Great Depression. Well, I got two tally lights on here, Nate, that's interesting. And, and so the, 
you know, where is this going? What is what is this doing? It, 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 it's, it's like, well, that's where it's going. So this is not just a statement, a political statement. It's not just a commentary. It's not just a, uh, you know, this is this is the problem kind of thing. It's really a moral statement. This is the Republican Party saying, this is where we stand. These are, this is who's important to us. The average working American, not important to us. The low income Americans, not important to us. In fact, you know, from the Republican point of view, they want to do everything they can to prevent such people from voting, from participating in American politics. So Jake Jan Jackson uh, wrote a great piece over at Common Dreams about this. Uh, the final vote tally he, wrote, he writes was 216 to 212 with 20 Republicans defecting from their party. No Democrats backed the measure. And uh, then quoting Frank Clemente, he's the director of Americans for Tax Fairness. He, he writes, the Republicans in the House have just advanced an immoral tax plan that will have disastrous real world consequences for many millions of Americans. Uh, Dylan Matthews from Vox notes, quote, all non-Medicare health programs would see a cut of 1.3 trillion or nearly 30% by 2027. Medicare would be cut too to the tune of 473 billion. Uh, there'd be one, tri one trillion over 10 years in mystery cuts to mandatory programs. Uh, Morris Pearl, the chair of Patriotic Millionaires, said the, the representatives who just chose the bank accounts of their donors over the health and well-being of their constituents should be ashamed. 216 members of the House just voted to hurt millions of vulnerable Americans, including many of their constituents, just to give millionaires like me a massive, unnecessary tax break, said Morris Pearl. The American people don't want a $1.5 trillion cut to Medicare and Medicaid, and they don't want a huge tax cut for the rich, but our wealthy donors do. And that's the essence of this entire thing. Uh, the patriotic millionaires speaking out about this at some length. In, in the meantime, uh, Trump is all over taking care of his big donors and the industries from which they come. For example, he wants to put this guy in charge of, uh, of, of NASA. Representative Brindenstein, or Stein, Brit Brittenstein, I guess is how his name is. Uh, put him in charge of NASA, right? NASA runs the satellites that are measuring the Earth's temperature that the Trump administration wants to reduce the number of because they're being used for scientific inquiry and research. And who is Brittenstein? He is a, uh, a right-wing crackpot with no scientific background and doesn't believe in climate change. Senator Patty Murray of Washington State. Senator Patty Murray says, Representative Brinenstein's failure to accept fundamental scientific truths about Earth's climate make him ill-suited and dangerous as a choice to lead the agency. He sponsored a bill to eliminate climate change research. He joined Jim Inhofe in the pretense, pretense that because it snowed in the wintertime, obviously climate change is a hoax. This I'm quoting from Mark Sumner over at Daily Kos today. So that's, that's Trump's appointee for NASA, right? The, the agency that is gathering all the information about climate change. Give, put a climate change denier there, right? Just like, you know, he put an anti-abortion activist in charge of refugees in the United States. You know, you know thus this, this uh, young girl who wanted to get an abortion being 
you know, being held. We'll get to that in the third hour of our program today. So who is he going to put in charge of uh, mine safety, right? I mean, you know, he's, he's all about, I'm going to help the coal miners. We're going we're gonna to make coal mining great again. So who would Trump put in charge of mine safety? You would think it would be somebody who has some expertise in mine safety, right? Well, apparently, yeah, he's found somebody with some expertise. Dave Zadazalo. I'm probably mispronouncing his name, and my apologies to him if I am. Uh, he's the president of Rhino Resource Partners, which owns a coal mine, a coal mining company. This from uh, Robert Federici over at ProPublica. The coal mining company run by President Donald Trump's nominee to be the nation's top mining regulator was found by the government to have illegally retaliated against a foreman who complained about sexual and ethnic harassment from supervisors, unsafe conditions, and drug use at one of its mines. This is the Rhino Energy, West Virginia. So, so this guy who is the president of a company that owns coal mines that have been cited for illegal employment practices is the guy that Donald Trump wants to put in charge of safety at coal mines, overseeing employment practices and, and uh, you know, general practices in coal mines. And then finally, this, this is as bar bizarre as it gets. Who's he going to put in charge of uh, pharmaceuticals, right, over at HHS? Hey, let's, uh, let's put somebody in charge of overseeing the nation's drugs and, you know, regulating the prescription companies, the, the pharmaceutical companies. So uh, let's nominate a guy from Eli Lilly. Right. Alex Azar, recent president of Eli Lilly's U.S. affiliate Lilly USA, could be nominated as secretary of the Department of Health and Human Services. This is to replace Tom Price, who had to resign in a, amidst a, a, a huge scandal that he was, you know, taking millions of dollars in, in luxury jet flights all over the world. And, and he had also been involved in a lot of insider trading while he was a member of Congress. Tom Price, the ins incredibly corrupt Republican congressman from, from Georgia. Uh, they've got to replace him now. This is, this is the Trump administration, right? So anyhow, as I said, it's anything goes day. So we'll, we'll pick up your phone calls right after this. Um, stick around. And I, I still have a, a huge stack of news to get through. But we also will be picking up your calls. Stick around. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Right back with your calls after this. Everyone's talking about superfoods, those nutritionally dense foods that are especially beneficial to your health. Did you know that beets are one of the most important superfoods you can put in your body? They're loaded with important, an important nutrient that increases your blood flow, which increases your energy. But who wants to be, eat, eat a pile of beets every day? Not most people. But now you can get the energy benefits of beets in a powerful concentrated superfood drink, Super Beets. Only Super Beets is made from crystals grown to exacting standards, then concentrated into superfood crystals. Super Beets promotes the body's own natural ability to produce healthy circulation for increased energy and stamina all day long. So if you want the benefits of a powerful superfood, call 800-568-9889 or go to tomsbeats.com. With your first order, get another 30-day supply of Super Beats for free, plus indicator strips to see how Super Beats is working for you. And free shipping. 
Call 800-568-9889 or go to TomsBeats.com today. That's 800-568-9889. The website, TomsBeats.com. Welcome back. Tom Harvin here with you. Did you see this piece by Paul Krugman in today's New York Times? Trump's $700 billion gift to wealthy foreigners. It turns out when Reagan was president and did this massive tax cut, dropped the top tax rate on, on very, very wealthy people from 74% down to 25%. When Reagan did that, only about six or 7% of our stock market was owned by foreigners, of the stocks traded on our stock market. But Reagan began the practice you know, dropping tariffs and, and in, in encouraging companies to offshore jobs to, to crush the unions here in the United States. And as all those jobs poured offshore and the unions collapsed, the, uh, the, the trade imbalance went up. We, we ended up with a trade deficit. We'd never had a trade deficit before Reagan. But ever since Reagan, we've had trade deficits virtually every single year typically five, $600 billion a year. So we're trillions of dollars in the hole. Now, how does that, you know, how is that made up? Well, those, those companies say, say we buy a trillion dollars worth of stuff from China more than we sell to them. They end up with a trillion dollars sitting around and it's U.S. dollars. What do we do with the U.S. dollars? Well, might as well put them in the U.S. stock market, right? Buy U.S. real estate, buy U.S. companies, whatever. So uh, roughly a third now of the stock of the stock market, 35% of U.S. equities are now owned by foreigners. It was it was you know roughly around 10% when Reagan was president. So it's it's, it's over 300 times 300 percent higher than it used to be, and which means that this tax cut that Reagan is proposing for people who make their money in the stock market is going to give 700 billion dollars, according to Nobel Prize winning economist Paul Krugman, 700 billion dollars to the top 1%, that is mind boggling. Uh, to the top 1% who are not Americans, the foreign, foreigners, <laughs> incredible. Audrey in Richton Park, Illinois. Hey, Audrey, what's on your mind? Uh, good, good morning, Tom. Um, I want to discuss how the move toward, of, of, of the white supremacy movement um, is still working to destroy uh, this country. Um, you know, no, you know, I, I'm hearing, I listen to the arguments where they say not all all people who are Trump supporters are racist, and that's fine, but I still have to, you know, an African-American woman, I have to look at the fact that they were willing to look past the fact that his campaign was supported by white supremacists. You know, right. the Ku Klux Klan actively campaigned. Right, and continues individual. to. Hello. And and continues to Audrey. I mean the the, oh, the yeah. you know the 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 white racists are all about Trump. They're 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 big on Trump. And and the thing is it's to the point where they cannot, you know, they they refuse to believe any of the um e of the accusations even ones that have been proven. Mm -hmm. The ones that have been uh adjudicated in court, uh the ones, you know, the settlement Yep. with those who were victimized by Trump University, uh, you know, things of that nature. They just refuse to believe it. I'm like, okay, at some point in time, you have to realize that Donald Trump and others of his ilk have never been for 
the working white person ever um, in their in their desperate search uh, to have a 21st century racist version of Franklin Delano Roosevelt. What they instead elected was looks more like a 21st century version of John D. Rockefeller, you know, uh, the Ludlow Massacre. Yep. Uh, so we're about if. And I'm trying to figure out, you know, I, I, I try to be as politically active as I can. Um, you know, I vote every election. Uh, but people are taking their cues from this man, uh, you know, regarding the exercise of blatant racism again. You know, there's this regression. Mm. Uh, that's why I do not call, you know, people who are now ultra-conservative. No, we need to stop being nice. When we discuss those who are in politics, whose uh, agenda helped make Donald Trump's presidency possible, we need to start calling them out as regressives, the very opposite of progressive. Yeah, uh, because they they they're not conservative. You know, the conservative word is is defined as one who is averse to change. These people want changes, all right. Oh yeah. They want big backwards changes. Yep. They're uh, and. Yeah. And so we have to call the call them out on it when we need to master uh, semantics and stop being afraid of pointing out the agenda of these people that is so destructive. You know, these you know, basically a bunch of people who cannot see this country past their skin color just elected someone who actually stands for those who cannot see this country past their money. Yep. And, and this is this about is, to be destroyed by both forces. Yeah, this is the amazing thing, Audrey, is that the, the and this should be obvious to Americans, but it just it never somehow gets pointed out in the media. Um, and, and that is that the Republican Party is so committed to the interests of the billionaire class and the transnational corporate class and and so uncommitted to the interests of average Americans, work, average working Americans, that they have to put to, they have to put together coalitions that seemingly make no sense whatsoever. For example, you get the anti-abortion folks who call themselves right to life. They're all in favor of life. And then you get the gun folks who are like kind of the opposite of that. They're, they're all in favor of, uh, you know, everybody having a weapon that is designed specifically to kill people. Uh, you know, yep. and then you get the people who are in favor of the death penalty, which, you know, and the anti-death penalty movement prior to 1973 was known all across the United States as l literally the right to life movement. The anti-abortion people stole that name from the anti-death penalty movement. And so, you know, when when Republicans have to get these coalitions of people together who who, you know, have, and, and, and the, the so-called Christians, I mean, you know, read Matthew 25, there's nothing Christian about these Christians. But, but they, right. they pull together all these weird, uh, you know, uh, positions. They contort themselves into all these positions to build a large enough coalition of people who are all dedicated to an individual slice, you know, anti-abortion or you know, the, the racist element, the, the, you know, the Nixon Southern strategy being played out now in its modern version by Trump uh, or yep. the, 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 the people who want, you know, more guns, you know, whatever it may be. I mean, they, there's this, this list of people necessary for a Republican to get elected is getting pretty, pretty uh, tattered. 
and and pretty bizarre. It's getting pretty out there. So and if you look at it, really, you can't even really call these people who call themselves pro-life. Okay, I don't think we can call them accurately uh, pro-life. Um, you can, you know, I'm I'm not too particular about uh, abortion, but these people aren't just against abortion under any circumstance. You know, I I believe in exceptions for the life of the mother. Uh, health of the mother, that sort of rape, incest. But these people want no exceptions, and they don't want any birth control used. So clearly they're not pro-life, Tom, if you look at the fact that they're also anti-public education, they're against minimum wage laws, they're, you know, they're against workers' rights. Yeah. These people are pro-breeding. What they're doing, it appears, you know, they, they, they know that they can't go back to the way they forced, particularly women of color, to breed uh, to breed their children into slavery in perpetuity. They can't come at us blatantly like that. So what they do is they have this conflagration of issues whereby they wind up achieving and creating and maintaining a consistent source of cheap human labor. And part of that is us breeding children uh, when we are not financially, socially, economically, uh, medically able to provide for them, and you know, not able to educate them. You know, we want to have a cheap, a, a consistent source of cheap human labor, right. not properly educated, uh, desperate. Uh, you Cycle know, independent on this hat in hand, uh, this plant, the combination hat in hand plantation society that these people seem to want. And and uh, and on top of that, you've got uh, Pat Buchanan, you know, talking about this rather openly. It's been a few years since his last book came out, and he was doing the circuit, but um, maybe four or five years ago, where he was talking about, you know, he had a chapter in his book about the Browning of America and how, you know, this is in his mind and the mind of many of these uh, white supremacist Republicans, in his mind, the the end of Anglo-Saxon America, the end of the the Western values, the John Locke values, the Enlightenment values of America, and and I don't see where values have anything to do with skin color. I mean, it's, it's an insanely racist statement, but that's why yeah. a lot of these white anti-abortion people are so vigorously anti-abortion. Is they they're concerned that you know if African Americans represent right, what is it, seventeen percent of Americans, I think. Um, and and yeah. a lot of a lot of abortions are being had by by you know more well-off white folks. They want to make sure that those abortions stop so that the white numbers go up, and that's bizarre. That's yeah, yeah. So I mean, but remember, Tom, they don't value white workers either. No, um, you know. So racism. I think I agree with one of the. Uh, I forget his name. He used to be a, a principal uh, with Chicago Public Schools. LaRavier, Troy LaRavier, uh, when he says, you know, he, he believes that racism was created uh, just as a means of dividing and conquering the workforce. Oh, yeah. And if you think about it, that's pretty much what it's done. That's been all, their most successful weapon. Yeah, all the way back to ancient Samaria. I mean, this is not something new. This is, this is a 7,000-year-old script of male dominance, patriarchy, and, and basically surf labor, slave labor, all the, all the variations thereof. Thank you, Audrey. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. Great call and a great caller. Audrey really has this figured out. We'll be right back. And welcome back. Leonard watching Free Speech on DirecTV in South Pasadena, California. Hey, Leonard, what's on your mind today? Hey, how you doing, Tom? Good. What's up? 
Well, anyway, I'm talking about neoliberals. Mm-hmm. They're really uh, wolves in sheep's clothing. They're a danger to, to us. I agree. Uh, they have no place in democracy. They must be purged. Taking money from the greedy is a uh, definition of uh, enemy of the people, the 99%. You know, we, we just can't deal with you. You'll ruin the Democratic Party. You know, it, it's just a bunch of greedy guys, too, as you, you know. But not the entire party. And the, this is a problem. I'm mean, back in back in the late 80s as after, you know, Reagan, uh, you know, cut his deal with the Iranians to hold the hostages and, and thus beat Jimmy Carter. And, and I was looking toward the end of the Reagan presidency like, whoa, you know, the Democrats are going to be out in the wilderness. Reagan was so popular, or at least that was the 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 prevailing theory at the time that, you know, how are we going to take these guys on? Plus, Reagan succeeded in, in cutting unions and unions are a major source of funds for the Democratic Party. And between encouraging offshoring of, of American jobs, particularly unionized jobs and and uh, breaking unions themselves, you know, the, the, the Democrats were like, what do we do? And so Al Fromm came up with this idea that, uh, hey, you know, we should become just like the Republicans and take money from the fat cats. It's just that let's leave the Republicans with the tobacco industry and the oil industry, and we'll take money from nice, clean, white-collar industries like banking and housing. And so that, that was the DLC. They rolled this thing out. We're going to be corporate-friendly, too. We're going to end welfare as we know it, too. We're going to be in, operating in the interests of the very wealthy, too. Um, and that way we'll get financing for our campaigns. And that worked for the Clinton campaign, and it worked for the Obama campaign, and it worked for their presidencies, you could argue. Although I would say that, you know, having basically wiped out the Democratic Party as a consequence of these policies over the last 20 years um, is not a good metric of success. But uh, I'm totally with you, Leonard, and and this is what's happening is like, you know, at 20 years on, uh, since, since Al Fromm and Bill Clinton invented this whole thing, Back in the back in the late '80s, and just in time for the '92 election, um, in the in the uh, what has it been? Uh, 15 years since then, um, I think a lot of Democrats have realized that you know going down the neoliberal road, which really is just kind of Reagan or excuse me Eisenhower Republicanism, um, was not the best thing for the Democratic Party. It wiped out the Democratic Party, and and this is the battle inside the Democratic Party right now is who's going to run it. Is it going to be the, the neoliberals, the, the Clinton wing, or is it going to be the old-fashioned Democrats, sometimes referred to as the Bernie wing? But I'd say it's much bigger and much more extensive than that. But you've, you've identified the problem, Leonard. What are you doing about it? Well, I go talk to people all the time. I don't mind walking up to strangers and, and giving them you know, some information. I, well, I just spoke with a... Uh, uh, a Trump supporter, and he and he goes, ah, Trump. And then I told him something about him. Then he had this look on his face, like, uh oh. And I said, you better check it out. Yeah. Not just feel it. You got to think about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's. Uh, it's an interesting time to be speaking with Trump supporters. Leonard, thanks for the call. You, you, you put your finger on, uh, on a big one. We'll be right back. Welcome back, Matthew in Smithfield, North Carolina. Hey, Matthew, what's on your mind today? 
um, Tom, it's always a pleasure uh, to listen to your show. Just as a side note, I wanted to say hashtag me too. It's not just about women. Um, I was physically assaulted as like a five-year-old boy. Uh, you know, we laugh about that later on and say, you know, I would have done this or done this. But quite frankly, it jaded the hell out of me for my adolescence. I was screwed up from that. And later on in college, I had two guys that were friends of mine that just pursued me during a party. while I And look, these are this is violence towards us and me too from the man's point of view. Um, what I was talking about was Medicare. Um, I'm an insurance broker. And because North Carolina, my home state, did not expand Medicaid, I have to talk to people who make $6,000 a year who can't get health insurance and they can't participate in Obamacare. Or somebody uh, who moved from New York and just had surgery and there's complications with it a year later, and he really doesn't have the ability to go see a doctor here without making him go bankrupt. Um, the, the whole insurance business is very complicated, but when you can use a line from a movie to encapsulate it all, it makes it kind of simple. And that is uh, Michael Corleone telling his brother, Sonny, that it's simply business, nothing yeah. else. Yeah. And so our free speech is infected by buying politicians and the corporations and their influence on our universities, on our day-to-day -day life through the television stations that they own and their faux entertainment journalists that go about flaunting their power and their influence on us and subject our democracy to the worst case thing. So uh, as far as Medicare is concerned, it's just strictly big. It's a damn shame that I have to watch some people uh, and talk about their loved ones in, in the respect that this person is probably going to die unless I spend 58% of my income getting them onto my group coverage. 58% of their income to get their husband health insurance, they only make $30,000 a year. It's amazing. Money out of my government, please. Yeah. Thank you, Tom. Yeah, thank you, Matthew. Good rant. Uh, Marty in Farmington, Michigan. Hey, Marty, what's up? Hi, Tom. Uh, I just wanted to suggest a term to use to refer to the Republican tax plan. Okay. Uh, this should never be called tax reform. Rather, I suggest it be called the crime of the century. Yeah, yeah. They are literally going to steal, steal one and a half trillion dollars from Medicare and Medicaid yeah. and give it to the top one percent. If that's not the crime of the century, I don't know what would be. Well said, Marty. Very, very well said. Ted in Black Diamond, Washington. Hey, Ted, you're on the air. Good morning, Tom. Hey, Ted. And... Uh, I just wanted to talk about something, two words that probably shouldn't belong in the same sentence, but the genius of Donald Trump. Okay. And, and I don't know whether it's by accident or by design. I mean, this man acts as a total buffoon. Mm. And we all pay attention to all the crazy antics, him pushing a NATO uh, representative out of the way for a photo op getting into arguments with uh, Gold Star moms and families and, and the whole long laundry list of this. But while he's doing all of this uh, clown act with one hand, on the other hand, his cronies are stealing from the government, are reducing our rights, are uh, literally just ripping us off. Yep. But we're all paying attention to, Don to Donald Trump the clown. You know? And you, know, you often say that, you know, we pay too much attention to his antics and not enough to 
you know, what's eating away our government. Oh, I think if the media would report what his cabinet is actually doing, what Ryan Zinke is doing at Interior and in privatizing public lands and setting, you know, setting that up, at what Scott Pruitt is doing over at EPA, uh, at, you know, at, at what he's preparing to do with NASA. I mean, all these agencies, yeah, I was just say, with NASA, they would be you know, horrified. Climate change deniers in it with NASA. Right. But, you know, he's over, you know, on you know, with the latest uh, Twitter, Twitter storm. Right, <laughs> right. Twitter no, storm. It's, and, and, the, and this is the problem with a media that doesn't report the details of the facts or the news, but rather only reports drama and sports. That is to say, you know, who's happy, who's unhappy, who's up, who's down, who's who's leading, who's behind. Ted, I got to move along. Yeah, just, and we don't just... realize we're that frog that's in that uh, warm uh, pot of water that's gradually getting hotter and hotter until it's too late. Yeah, that frog we're is paying us. Attention to the Donald Trump uh, show. Yep. And not what's being done to the government. Yep. Well said, Ted. Very well said. Thank you, Howard in Brooklyn, New York. Hey, Howard, what's up? Um, hi. This is um. I wanted to talk about the jobs that um, Trump is bringing back. You know, I think um, basically, like, feudalism is represented by this triangle, your hierarchy. I think Trump made a deal with uh, these companies to bring back this, just this, the lowest level slave uh, wage slaves and leaving all the technical people overseas and the real thing that would help this country is to bring these technical jobs back with them and uh and uh and maybe there'll be a day when um there will be a need for headhunters to search around in america for high technical people and um that would create a need to educate the people to even enter the technical fields at the lowest level, like a, a 12-month tech school. And you could come in on the lowest level and according to your own attributes, find yourself as an electronic well, You know, this is, this is how it worked when you had unions that had apprenticeship programs, Howard. But, you know, they're pretty much all gone. And... Uh, but, but you know, you're, you're, you're making an excellent point that the, the problem is that those jobs are not coming back. And, and as long as Microsoft can, can have engineers working in India for one quarter of what they would have to pay an engineer here in the United States, and with the Internet, the work can be done in India or it can be done in, you know, it can be done in Hyderabad in, or in Seattle. And it gets to the, to, the, to the big boss in Seattle within seconds no matter what. As long as that's the case and we're not doing essentially tariffs, we got a problem. Welcome back. John Martin here with you. And on the line with us is Karen Seal Stewart, PhD, a member of the Patriotic Millionaires, longtime real estate investor. PatrioticMillionaires.org is the website. Uh, the Twitter handle is Patriotic Mills. And Karen, welcome to the program. Thank you, Tom. I'm really uh, very appreciative of this opportunity to be heard and to have my thoughts. Uh, um, on air, so I appreciate so much. Uh, well, well, thank you. Representing I, I, uh, the patriotic millionaires uh, who do neither need nor want the tax cuts that are being proposed in Congress right now. So, so Dr. Stewart, t tell us what, why, as a person of wealth, would you oppose Donald Trump's effort to make you wealthier? 
first of all, we can't have a functioning society if we don't support the government. We say we want air traffic control, national parks, infrastructure, police, excuse me, firefighters, um, disaster relief, etc. And those things must be paid for by somebody, and the people who have the money to pay that are the wealthiest people, not the poorest. And this Tax Reform Act will cut the tax rate of the highest earners from 39.6% down to 35%, and it will increase the rate of the lowest tax bracket from 10 to 20, uh, from 10 to 12 percent. This is, an, is a prescription for class warfare and for the country to have to continue to borrow to make up for the shortfall. So uh, from, from, a, from the point of view of wealthy people, why is this, uh, you know, uh, let, let, let me, let me pr- give you the frame that I'm, I'm, I'm thinking in terms of. I remember some years back, I was watching a, uh, it was late at night, I couldn't sleep, and I was watching a, a, a Bloomberg show that was coming out of Singapore, live out of Singapore. And uh, an American reporter who lived in Singapore, who worked for Bloomberg, was, was interviewing a German, a wealthy German businessman, a very, very affluent German business, very successful German businessman. Uh, multimillionaire, maybe a billionaire. And uh, he started out by asking how much the guy paid in taxes. And the guy said, well, probably about 55% of my income is, is going to taxes now. And this American reporter was just shocked by that. And he just, you know, couldn't deal with it. And, and, and the, the German businessman kind of blew off the question. And so the reporter came back to it a little later on in the interview a second time. And then he came back to it a third time. And the third time he came back to this, he says, you know, how can you stand to pay these taxes? And there was this long pause, and this German businessman looked at this kid, this reporter, this was on television, looked at him with this look on his face like, what is it that, that, that you don't get here? And, the, and he said very simply, he said, I don't want to be a rich man in a poor country. And, and so, I, you know, I'm, 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 I'm wondering from the point of view of people of wealth in the United States, is that, is, is that I mean, is that a reasonable meme? I I absolutely concur. When Henry Ford started his uh, company, he overpaid his employees intentionally so that he would have customers for those vehicles. And people who think that they are going to be more uh, prosperous by cutting their taxes ought to take a look at the fact that the most prosperous parts of our country are the ones with the highest uh, income tax and sales tax. For instance, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, and California have the highest tax rates in the country when you combine sales and income tax. I argue that they're probably the four most prosperous states in the country. If a government is to function, it must have tax income. And there is no prosperity when there are six wealthy people in a community and a thousand poverty-stricken people. The six wealthy people get more wealth when the thousand people have enough income to support the businesses owned by the six people. Plus, I ask myself routinely, how damn much money do people need in order to live a comfortable life? My husband and I have a couple of million dollars, and we have plenty of money to pay our taxes to be charitable and to live very, very comfortably. I don't even know what people with $10 million, $100 million, a billion dollars even do with that money. And God forsaken, 
the impact on the other people is so enormous mm. that it, it, it frightens me, and I think it's an absolutely immoral proposal to cut the taxes of the 1% at the expense of the 99%. Not only that, we have to borrow the money to make up the difference, and I have read that China at this moment has over $1 trillion of our debt. And that's a that's a very scary thing in in this kind of economic and political environment. Yeah, yeah. It's it, 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 we we find ourselves in this bizarre situation in part because Ronald Reagan came into office at a time when the national debt was only about eight hundred billion dollars, less than one trillion, and said, "I'm going to grow the economy by cutting taxes on rich people," and ended up tripling uh -huh. the national debt and. And, and then uh, Bush Jr. did the same thing and doubled the national debt. I mean, it's... Exactly. And uh, the huge explosion in the national debt since the, the turn of the century, the biggest part of that increase, it came from the tax cuts implemented during George W. Bush's time. The second biggest reason is that we entered an unnecessary, unprovoked, and, and immoral war by invading Iraq. And we'd never ask for a penny of extra tax to pay for that, and it has run in the trillions already. And here we are 17 years later continuing to fight a war that um, Osama bin Laden's dead. I mean, what are we doing? Yeah. And yeah. we need so desperately to improve. Our infrastructure is crumbling and, and to strip Medicaid money, many Americans do not understand that if their parent, their elderly parent or grandparent, runs out of money, that Medicaid can pick up the balance and help them in a nursing home. It's not just the, the, the welfare queens that are getting help from Medicaid. It's, it's the average person, the average working person. Yep. And it, we provoke increased inequality in income and wealth at our peril. Yeah, it's and it's a lesson that has been learned, you know, uh, his, yeah, yeah. historically about, painfully. Marie Antoinette. Yeah, yeah, what Marie Antoinette said, let them eat cake. Well, they let her yeah. without a head. Or the Romanovs. the Romanovs didn't pay any attention to the serfs in Russia. And guess what? They got lined up and shot dead. Yeah. We need to understand that we are a, a group of people living together and we need to take care of each other. And to be a Christian, when you defy the needs and, and interests of your neighbors just so you can have more millions, billions, I mean, how many Caribbean islands or yachts do these people need? Yeah. We need, we need social order and we need compassion and we they do not need more money it is really scary to me that this is progressing as fast as it is and i swear if it passes i, I just don't know what's going to happen here it seems to me uh, we're, we're talking with karen seal stewart dr karen seal stewart uh, a member of the patriotic millionaires uh it seems to me that that most of this you know i want more 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 stuff and, you know, gimme, gimme, gimme based on the tax code um, and all the efforts to buy politicians in order to make that happen has been driven by the actions of probably fewer than 200 mind-bogglingly wealthy people and maybe even, so. mm -hmm. maybe even a smaller number than that. But I think the last uh, Coke Network meeting was around 200 people. So it's just a couple of hundred people who are driving this process. And, it, you know, I know some very wealthy people who are 
absolutely have no interest in, in, in this stuff that these people seem to be obsessed with. I've been wondering for some time if maybe what we're looking at is actually a mental illness, if it's hoarding syndrome. If, if, if mm -hmm. David and Charles had been born of a middle-class family, uh, might they instead have an apartment in Brooklyn that's filled with newspapers and empty tin cans? But because they were able to hoard, they were born wealthy, uh, they were able to hoard uh, money rather than tin cans and newspapers. And I probably shouldn't personalize this to them. I don't, I don't know them, and I can't say that they have, you know, this particular mental illness. But, but it seems like there's something almost sociopathic driving this, a, a desperate need for more, more, more. And when you've got $80 billion or $20 billion or $1 billion, like you said, how much more do you need? I don't get it. Well, I, I, my Ph.D. is in educational leadership and human behavior, and I couldn't agree more. There is no logical reason to bankrupt the country and to alienate one neighbor to another just so you can add millions and billions. It, 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 is, it is frightening. It is absolutely frightening. It, you know, Donald Trump went on television and said, Believe me, whenever he says, believe me, you can believe right. that he's not telling the truth. Believe me, I will not benefit one bit from this tax act. Oh, yeah? Well, how about the fact that the top income tax rate will drop from 39.6% to 35%? That's almost a 12% drop in the rate for his people, for his, for his particular income bracket. Also, if we can trust that the 2005 income tax return that is uh, on the Internet is legitimate and awesome and, and is true. I don't know. Nobody knows. At that point, he had $150 million worth of income that year and would have only paid $5 million on that because of various and sundry depreciation write-offs, etc. But because of a thing called alternative minimum tax, he was asked to pay and needed to pay $31 million more, which is six times what his $5 million would have been. That alternative minimum tax would be eliminated from this Tax Reform Act. I, 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 plus, how about the estate tax? It at this point would cost his children forty percent of his estate if if it continues right. to be in. Yeah, no. If he gets his well, way here, it, yeah. it, it, it's going to benefit Trump tremendously. Karen Steele, Dr. Karen yeah. Steele Stewart, thank you so much for being with us. I appreciate the opportunity to be with you today. Great speaking with you. Thank You're you. You're listening you to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. And the website, of course, is PatrioticMillionaires.org. We'll be right back. When was the last time you looked forward to sitting at your desk all day? Since getting my new X chair, not only am I enjoying the time spent in my desk much more than ever, but I can't believe how much more productive I'm being. My X chair is unbelievably stylish, and thanks to all the ways that you can personalize it, it literally molds itself to my body. Trust me, this is not your grandfather's office chair. And because I don't need to keep having to take breaks or to stretch my back, I'm getting more done in a day than ever before. If you spend a lot of time in your office chair every day, then you need to try the X chair. In fact, here's a terrific deal just for my listeners. The makers of X chair want you to feel the X chair difference for yourself. So if you go to xchairtom.com, that's the letter X, chair, T-H-O-M.com, not only will they knock $100 off the price, but they'll even throw in a free footrest if you use the promo code TOM. Just go to xchairtom.com now. I love my X chair, and you will too. So check out xchairtom, that's xchairtom.com. Check out xchairtom.com, and be sure to use T-H-O-M as the promo code for your $100 discount.
This is the Tom Hartman Program. Welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you. Every now and then something happens that just gives you a glimpse into essentially the soul of another party or a politician. And I think the story of Rosa Maria Hernandez is just such a glimpse into the soul of the Trump administration. This is a 10-year-old girl who has cerebral palsy. This is the condition that, that causes people to end up with their, their uh, you know, with very limited uh, motion abilities and, and um, you know, their hands kind of d- distorted and twisted. And, uh, you know, it's a, it, it, this is an incredibly challenging disease. And this little 10-year-old girl was having uh, surgery on her gallbladder, which uh, I, I don't know if that's related to the disease or not, but gallbladder surgery, you know, if your gallbladder's causing pain, it's one of the most insane pains that you'll ever experience. It's right up there with kidney stones. Um, people, people, when they get gallbladder attacks, most commonly think that they're having a heart attack, that they're dying. And so uh, Rosa Maria Hernandez is a 10-year-old kid with cerebral palsy who was brought to the United States when she was three or six months old, when she was, you know, before she even, yeah, three months old when she was brought to the United States, has never known any country other than the United States as her home. The, the uh, ICE, the Immigration Service, uh, discovered as she was being taken to the hospital, she apparently had to go through some sort of a checkpoint or something, you know, your papers, please, that she was not a legal citizen of the United States, a legal resident, rather. And so they, they I mean, this is just nuts. They, they, they forced their way into the operating room. They wanted to refuse to let the surgeon close the door in the operating room so that the police could keep an eye on this 10-year-old girl, unconscious and sedated for her surgery. I mean, this is bizarre. The, uh, the Independent reports citing flight risk concerns for a young girl with a degenerative muscle disease. Agents involved themselves in every step of the medical process, according to the family's lawyer. During surgery, air agents were nearby. In follow-up medical procedures, agents were in the room. They eventually allowed for the hospital room door to be closed only after the lawyer showed up and argued attorney-client confidentiality, a discussion between attorney and Border Patrol agent that took over half an hour to resolve. The little girl, her only request after her surgery was she wants to see her mom, but we took her away and put her in a detention facility. This, you know, Jesus talked about the least among us, right? In Matthew 25, the, the disciples came to him and said, how do we how do we know that we can hang out with you when we're all dead and gone to heaven? I mean, how do we, you know, we've, we're putting our lives in the line for you every day here, but how, how do we know that, you know, we're going to make it? And Jesus said, you know, in the last days, the, you know, I will be, he referred to himself in the third person, the son of man. He said, we'll be sitting at the, at a throne, judging, separating the sheep from the goats, right? The sheep are the ones going to heaven. The goats are the ones going to hell. And, and, he, and he said that he would say to the, to, the, to the sheep, 
You know, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me water. When I was homeless, you gave me a place to stay. Actually, it was when I was naked, you clothed me, but, you know, functionally the same thing. Um, when I was in prison, you came to visit me. When I was sick, you healed me. So come with me to, you know, you sheep to, to heaven. And then he would turn to the goats and he'd say, you didn't feed me when I was hungry. You didn't give me water when I was thirsty. You didn't visit me when I was in prison. You didn't heal me when I was sick. And so off to hell with you, right, is essentially what he's going to say to the goats. And at that point, the disciples freaked out. You know, they're like, whoa, wait a minute. You know, we've, we've never seen you hungry. We've never seen you thirsty. We've never seen you sick. We've never seen you in prison. How can we get to heaven if this is what you have to do? And he said, as you have done to the least among us, you have done to me. And I don't mean to be preaching Christianity here at you. This is, this is the core of every religion on earth. It is also the core of every culture, every society that has had any kind of meaningful and lasting impact on the, on, on, on the human race throughout history has been, you know, this, this, this core idea that we take care of the least among us. And here's this little 10-year-old girl with cerebral palsy. And what is the instinct of the Trump administration? To imprison her. A 10-year-old girl with cerebral palsy. This is, this is a, uh, a glimpse is maybe not even the right word, but, you know, just a, a, a full-out look into this uh, dark heart of this party. Or the lack of a heart, the missing heart of the Republican Party. It's, and, and it should be so evident to everybody. Tommy in Patterson, Louisiana. Tommy, what's on your mind today? I was going to talk about health care, but uh, after hearing what you just said and all, uh, maybe we want to talk about that you know, with this uh, Russia thing and all and the Trump administration and possible impeachment. Uh, maybe that's what we should be going for. I mean, if uh, this is how they're treating a little 10-year-old child. Yeah, the process. Child, yeah, know, the problem uh, is you impeach Trump, you get Pence. Pence is in many ways even more brutal than Trump. Yeah, is, you're right. Uh, I kind of wonder if they can prove collusion and that uh, the Trump uh, people worked actually with the Russians, a foreign power, to take uh, uh, power. Uh, that, to me, is kind of like on the borderline of treason. Yeah, and it looks you know, like if something like that was going on, it was probably Paul Manafort and Michael Flynn at the center of it, and they were the guys that Mike Pence put in charge of the of the Trump campaign, and uh, and and in and and in charge of you know intelligence in the Trump administration. I mean, Pence was in charge of the the transition. Yeah, you're right. So. Uh, I mean, it seems like every time, all along, Trump's been saying stuff like uh, nothing to do with Russia, don't know anybody, has anything to do with Russia, and then come to find out later on with this investigation that keeps going on, they find out more and more things and prove more and more lies. Yeah. Uh, him uh, firing Comey after trying to get him to pledge loyalty, which basically was saying, ignore the law, I'm the king, bow down, do what I say, drop the investigation on Flynn. He was obstructing the whole time. 
And when Comey refused to do that, then he fired him. Yeah. And uh, now we got Mueller, uh, last uh, uh, hope in this whole thing, uh, looks like. Uh, they need to do something. And then you got the thing with North Korea and all. The guys messing around with uh, North Korea is already a nuclear power yeah. and has a submarine force. Yep. I mean, who's, who's to say that he couldn't launch if he, even if they tried to take him out over there, if he's got a submarine force around the continent of the USA with submarine launch ballistic missile with nuclear warhead capability already. Right. You well, know, you do, he doesn't even need to launch them. If he can get them in a sub just, you know, a mile or two off a major American city and just let it float in, I mean, you know, it's... Exactly, he could. I mean, they don't know. It's, it's a closed society over there. And it, and it looks like what the guy's only asking for is just leave me alone. Yeah. You know, he's like, we don't fight with Russia or China because they're new powers. Right. So that's why he's wanting to be a new power. So. Yeah, of course. It's, it's uh, you know, it's why Iran is doing the same thing. And, and this all goes back to George W. Bush talking about the axis of evil. You know, yeah. Iraq, Iran, and, and North Korea. And then he takes out Iraq, and Iran and North Korea go, oh, so this is the game. Tommy, thanks for the call. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Good more of your calls, Evan. Uh, Fred in Los Angeles. Hey, Fred. It says here you disagree with me. What's up? Yeah, there was a little static there, so I wasn't sure it was me. All right. Uh, first of all, with regards to ancient sunlight, the way I understand this is Mark Twain wrote, Samuel Clemens wrote on the stagecoach. That's not the, the main reason I'm calling, but it's something that's been bugging me a little bit. Okay. Um, item number two has to do with uh, your longtime challenge about what any Republican Congress has done. I think the only positive thing they ever did was to repeal the uh, 55-mile-an-hour speed limit, which was shown it did not save lives. That was the economy, the downturn in the economy that did that. But hmm. the reason I'm calling and what got me upset was the... Um, Association of Billionaires or Millionaires Against Tax Cuts. It would sound like a lot of propaganda, but she didn't say what she was doing about it. What politicians did she buy? We know what the, who the Koch brothers buy, but we don't know what they're willing to do about it. Right. And I think you should oppress that a little bit more. Okay. Uh, I, I think that the position that the patriotic millionaires are taking is that we shouldn't have to buy politicians, that politicians should be acting on behalf of the people of the United States and not just the billionaires and the multimillionaires. But yeah, yeah, I got it, but she's not here. So Fred, thanks for the call. Rick in Geneva, Florida. Hey, Rick, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom. Um, I'm looking at an essay by Josh Bivens. It was published in the Economic Policy Institute. Mm -hmm. It's entitled Failure by Design, the Story Behind America's Broken Economy. And basically, it says that the economy, which has been broken, as you talk about so often, broken for the last 30 years, is working just as it has been designed to work. 
that that the failures brought on by the economic policy, by Reaganomics and so forth, are failures for the people, but they're success for the the powers that be, the the Republicans, the the fascists, the oligarchs. Yeah, I completely and agree. Failure by design. The phrase "failure by design." I mean, you know, they put a ten-year-old girl in in prison because she's because she's not a citizen. Um, you know, they, the things that are happening are uh, the destruction of our democracy is a it's failure by design, and you describe it in detail very often. But I always I keep waiting for you to come up with that phrase failure by design because it describes it so well. Well, it really is. I mean, Naomi Klein wrote a whole book about this shock doctrine. And right. and and it's uh, Reagan turned this into an art form. If you know, the, 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 he doesn't like uh, you know the the government uh, helping facilitate unions. So you replace the the head of the National Labor Relations Board with somebody who hates unions. Um, pretty soon you don't have unions anymore. I mean, you know, it's a, uh, or what they're doing right now. I mean, you know, Social Security has been is being starved of funds, right? The 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 funds to pay for the people who take your call when you call in to register for Social Security or do it at the local Social Security office. And so the wait times are getting longer and the service is getting worse. And, you know, the Republicans are just gleeful about this. Oh, boy, people are going to start hating Social Security because it's going to be such a painful experience interacting with them, you know, just like the DMV kind of thing. Rick, I got to run, but thanks for the call. You're absolutely right. It is, it is planned. We'll be back. Coming up tomorrow, we'll have the latest news and information from Wall Street and Main Street, all points in between, plus the best of the rest of the news. And don't forget, democracy begins with you. Get out there, show up, participate, tag, you're it. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. 